again, my gorgeous listeners, as always, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. And we are here to chat all about the delights of sex, sexuality and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm always delighted to be a part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find all sorts of lovely and weird and wonderful podcasts on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, me with the sex podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise It really does help to keep the mics on. Or if you like it, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to get in touch, you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram at Glow West Podcast. So today we are here to chat about healthy relationships because this is probably some of the education that we should have got in school and didn't for most of us. So we need to we need to step up and try and fix that a little bit. And I have the perfect guest to do it. I have Naomi Hutchins and she is a clinical sexologist currently living and working in Brisbane, Queensland. Naomi has been working in a variety of roles in the field of sex- human sexuality for over 17 years. Currently, Naomi offers sex and relationships counselling and education face-to-face, online and via phone consultation. Naomi also participates in a variety of media commentary, such as podcasts, radio, magazines and blogging on Instagram as Australian Sexologist. Naomi, thanks Emil for coming today. How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. We are surviving uh, COVID and lockdown. You're doing very differently <laughs> over in Australia. Yeah, as I said, we just went into a three-day lockdown for eight or six cases or something. This is what we do down here. Uh, yeah, so we just come out of it for Good Friday. Oh, we are still all locked up. So we are eat, eating our Easter eggs in lockdown, unfortunately. But yeah, we'll get there anyway. <laughs> so um, Fab, so you've been doing this work for a long, long, long time. You know, you're helping people figure mm-hmm. out relationships. It's a difficult thing for a lot of people because mm-hmm. we're not taught how to have, uh, you know, healthy adult relationships. This is something we have to learn as we go along. And sometimes parents mm-hmm. aren't the best guide sometimes if they don't have healthy mm-hmm. relationships themselves. So I suppose to start, how would you define what a healthy relationship actually looks like in real life? Well, I suppose some for some people that's a little subjective, I suppose. But I think if I'm going to say sort of generally, I would say it's where the people, whether it's two or more people, can be their authentic self that they, um, I call, I often talk about relationships a bit like a garden and that, you know, your, your, you know, plants in the sense of that you're growing individually or but also together, side by side kind of thing, and that we often have to do bits of weeding and different things like that to keep that going. So, um, yeah, I, I talk about that, that you can be individuals but also together if there's two of you and, and that there's respect and, um, yeah, to be able to be yourself, I think that's one thing. Be heard uh, and um, listened to and understood and be your best self. Okay, yeah. And, and that makes sense. Like all that, those things factor into a sense of calmness, I suppose, in, in a relationship. Mm. And I suppose one of the things I, I talk about in my workshops, I say that, you know, the idea of Hollywood love or like wild, passionate love and roller coaster love, that's what I thought relationships were because it was like, oh, you're it's meant mm-hmm. to be wild. You're meant to have drama and breakups all the time. And it's like, no, that's yeah. just actually exhausting and really quite toxic most of the time. So, yeah, it's hard to figure that out. 
Yeah, and I think that's that kind of what you were talking about there is that sort of narrative, um, well, I, I call it the toxic monogamy narrative that we get fed because um, a lot of that says that stuff, you know, you know, if the person's um, fighting for you and really jealous and all of those messages that we get, that means that they, they must really love us. And, and yeah, I think they're really unhealthy. But so I see people of all ages, you know, my clients, I think I've said this before my, in other podcasts, but my oldest clients were 90. And then I've seen little, little people, right? And, and I think I see this all across all genders and all relationship dynamics that some of this stuff's fed into it um, rather than the stuff, um, you know, really unpacking it. And I think also, again, as we go across the time and depending on where we live, you know, we're getting better at unpacking this stuff and, and talking about how socially constructed this stuff is. Absolutely. I think we're almost groomed into that. Like monogamy is a standard default for a lot of societies. And it's like you're groomed mm -hmm. into, you know, when are you going to move in with someone? When are you going to get engaged? When are you going to get married? And like, like yeah. even calling marriage the best day of your life. Like I'm married and I'm like, it was it was a great day. Like, I don't know if I have one <laughs> best day of my life. And yeah. I don't know if I would put all yeah. that expectation and pressure that everything has to go perfectly. Because then you start worrying about what color the napkins are. And matching all those kind of things mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and then people crash after the wedding because you're like all right okay it was meant to be the best day ever why so now what yeah and then we then you're just left into it then it's like okay what what happens after you you, you secure the, the golden yeah. standard of being married like we don't talk about okay how do you like make a marriage successful it's like are we just meant to guess yes. at this yeah and to think that it's just going to be all peachy and you're not going to run into issues and I think a lot of stuff we don't do is um, have conversations really early on about what we want because we're if we're together because we're choosing each other because obviously I see clients who don't they get put together by their families and stuff but if we've kind of come together with that whole lovey limerence honeymoon phase then we kind of think that that's going to get us through everything and that's going to just stay there yeah I think they think there's something wrong when it when it's not like that anymore I think that's hard. Yeah. When you get, you, when you get to the bumps in the road, like for me, it took me a long time to learn what healthy communication is. And it's not just like screaming arguments with each other and, and things like that. Cause I had yeah. no pathway to, you know, learn about healthy communication. So mm. it's mm -hmm. still sometimes shocking to me now if I have an argument with my partner and it's like, oh, we can talk about this. Like, oh yeah, yes. <laughs> I forget that that's an uh -huh. option, but you know, how do you figure yeah. out how, how to, deal with those kind of conflicts and disagreements in in relationships yeah I mean I think that's a good question right because um I know I, you're you're a sex educator and I used to do heaps of stuff in schools and I think you know that they were starting to do this a bit in schools but I think we have a long way to go so it's like where do you go which is why sometimes it can be really helpful to be um, finding out about workshops and different things that help you uh, communicate well or even as I say to people you know um, you can do your own work we can ever change anyone anyway right you can't do that all you can do is change the way you react to things and I think the best thing to do is get curious about yourself and where did you get those ideas from where did you get those values who said that that's the right way to do a relationship who said monogamy is the be all and end all that kind of stuff you know to challenge it so there's lots of stuff now obviously on social media and things like this which people really are having wonderful conversations um, about so we can unpack this stuff and sort of really ask ourselves where did we get that from 
There's a lot of work to do around that. Yeah, because even if you're looking at like every kind of Hollywood show, things like that, like even other relationship styles, like being poly, it's like a sensationalist thing. You know, it's a novelty thing. Yeah, and it's more realistic. Exactly, and I get a bad rap. Any folks who are, it's absolutely, it's like all open relationship style, all folks who try uh, and do a poly relationship or or whatever language you want to use around that, but they'll say that when, in fact, lots of people, whether you're poly or open or not, relationships end because actually that's quite a normal part of our life journey. For many of us, we will end friendships. Uh, you know some of us even in relationships with family members for various reasons and and that yeah of course sometimes we're not going to um, be able to stay with someone that we made a commitment with perhaps at one time in our lives and we're not even you know anywhere near that at another time yeah I I was asked on a podcast before about someone was saying they they found it hard to wrap their heads around poly and they were like how do how do you not work and I was like well monogamy doesn't work for a lot of people judging by the massive divorce rates that we have in Mm -hmm. quite a lot of societies Mm -hmm. and that was like oh yeah I didn't think of it like that because we're just so groomed to be like this is how you have a relationship yeah that's yeah. hard it's yeah. taking me back there you mentioned jealousy there um at the start and for a lot of people that's like oh the green-eyed monster it's a really bad thing to be jealous and maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be it could be a good warning sign of something that that needs to be addressed yeah and I also think jealousy does yeah as you said it gets a bad rap but for a lot of people, I mean, it's not just romance that people feel um, jealousy, right? People feel jealous. Babies are, like, jealous of, of their, you know, siblings or mother when, you know, this is, I often talk about it's a feeling. It's about what we do, just like anger. Anger in itself is not necessarily bad, right? It's telling us something. Often I talk about our feelings are giving us something to think about, right? And same with jealousy. So it's like uh, if you're feeling jealous, like, I, you know, that's what I do to myself. If I get a feeling about something, I try. It doesn't always work. But sometimes I'll be like, Naomi, what's going on? What are you thinking? We're, we're, what's got really going on and thinking underneath? So with jealousy, you know, um, it might be that, yeah, that you're feeling, I don't know, unloved, unworthy or things like that. It's my my concern when I'm with listening to couples or just when I'm doing sessions with young women um, about relationships or something and they talk about oh it's good they'll say oh it's really good he's really jealous for the girls that are um, dating uh, men and they'll say that and we'll talk about why what is that (laughs) where did you get that idea so you know depending on where it is I think we need to unpack it yeah yeah for sure and and that's viewed as um you know something romantic oh they care about you if they're mm-hmm. monitoring where you are and it's protective and it's like no mm-hmm. that's actually quite abusive if someone's monitoring you like that mm-hmm. or say, dictating who you can spend your time with and I think sometimes we we yeah. see abusive relationships wrapped up as as hashtag relationship goals you know and like yes Harley yeah. Quinn and the Joker it's like People have weddings themed like that, but it's an abusive relationship. And it's like, mm, yeah, that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think that is, it's like, that's right. We, media still has such a long way to go with all that, you know, that it's powerful and, and they do give us messages. I mean, I think we're getting a little bit better at seeing different kinds of representation, but it's still very much there. 
Absolutely. So for someone who is kind of sitting down now and doing the work, I'm, you know, what I'm saying to people usually is like that COVID is kind of good for an opportunity because we're not meant to be dating because we're in lockdown and stuff <laughs> like that. So maybe it's an opportunity yeah. to reflect on, you know, the kind of relationships we go to, how we communicate, things like this. So um, what would you say would be the green flags to look out for for a healthy relationship? Yeah, and I suppose that's that stuff that I was saying about just being able to be yourself around a person if you're dating one person um, and that, you know, they're okay, that you do your own thing too. And, again, this is going to be different for everyone because obviously there are some people who are quite, you know, introverted, if that's the word you want to use, but they're much better. They don't have a lot of friends and that's not it's not necessarily anything bad at all. It's just who they are. Um, but, you know, that thing of being able to do your own thing as well um, and also, yeah, when that you can put boundaries in place and they're respected and, and again, they'll be different for everybody, right, but around how much... Um, time you perhaps you want to spend and I suppose at the beginning of a relationship there's all that stuff if it is a an, is an attraction and loved one you know you've got all those hormones and everything driving you and I think in the middle of that and I'm always like enjoy it enjoy it because it's going to change in a different way and it won't be like that all the time because we're going to come up for air but also to know that when that's going on your your um red flag spotter is is lowered it's a little bit harder to see, right? And we sometimes, or what do they call it, rose-coloured glasses or yeah, whatever, yeah. you you kind of not necessarily because you're all euphoric and feeling really good and we might brush things off. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's, that's looking, I suppose, the other way around that. But I kind of say to people enjoying that space but knowing you might not be making the best decisions all the time just because you are it got all that stuff going on. Yeah, it's hard and lust is a powerful blindfold for a lot of people sometimes when if you're having like great yeah. sex and then the rest of the relationship yes. is kind of questionable, you know, and not as healthy. Yes. We, we kind of get distracted by orgasms, I think sometimes. In, for sure. And things. Yeah, a lot of people hang in there and there's so many, you know, red flags or just just they know there's a part of them that's like oh they'll say I can't really I don't think I can see myself with this person long-term living together and stuff but the sex is so good that they kind of pop that all to the side and 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 just go with that for a while and brush it off yeah I think that's really Mm -hmm. important to look at like and even the concept of love bombing do you is that do you call it that Mm -hmm. in Australia Yeah, yeah, the same thing. Yeah, where people are really like, yeah, well, they say, you know, looking out for when someone's got doing way too, you know, too many things. And again, I suppose that's a little subjective, but yeah, really kind of over the top gestures and things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, I had that in a, a previous emotionally abusive relationship and I didn't have the words for it and I didn't know like what it was, but I knew my gut knew that something was wrong, but I couldn't name it to myself. And maybe sometimes that's your brain (laughs) protecting you as well. But sometimes it's like, I didn't actually know of the concept of of love bombing. So I think it's really important because it's so common, you know, and I think the more we Mm -hmm. empower people with language and naming these things is really, really important. So yeah, like how I think society just ignores emotional abuse in relationships and prior wraps them up as yeah. romance. Absolutely. I think, yeah, because we still see so much of that in the media and I think um, we're, we're still probably, you know, we've got a long way to go to catch up on and dealing with emotions and that because not so long ago that was seriously not things people really talked about, right, and now we're 
um, saying we want more and we want people to be able to do that. And, you know, particularly uh, cis women who, who date cis men saying, you know, they don't want to be doing all that free emotional labour, which makes perfect sense. But it's that thing. I think we're still patching up, aren't we, around um, the emotional stuff. A lot of people struggle with that all the time mm-hmm. um, around how to deal with that, deal with their emotions, identify them, all that stuff. Yeah, I think, do you think that's why people, you know, struggle with relationships sometimes? Because a lot of our sex ed is like, here's how to have oral sex and here's how to have penis and vagina sex and this is how you make a baby and this is what an orgasm is. And it's like, it kind of ignores the emotional connection part of like, how do you manage the feelings of love? What is love or what is abuse? And how do you, how do you sustain a relationship? Like all of those, I think we're kind of left to figure out by ourselves. And that's really hard. Yeah. I agree. And I think we're still a long way. You know, there's books and there's different things now that we're getting better at working through that stuff. But I, you know, I see a lot of adults, as I said, of, you know, 50, 60, 70, you know, who's still struggling with this stuff around, you know, that those what we call, you know, the unrealistic expectations of relationships, like, oh, that they, they, a lot of people think it's very odd. Like you've got to work on a sexual relationship. They just think it's just going to happen. I'm like, who says that? You know, it's like we get fed that this stuff's going to happen and, and ways and when to have sex and what's the right amount, you know. This is constant stuff I'm doing every single day. And I think, you know, I, I'm always encouraging people just to, like, let's let, let that go. Stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. Let's work on what's happening for you. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think we, we still have a long way to go around working through that stuff. Absolutely. And I think like, again, the work that you're doing is really valuable in that and naming this stuff and, you know, putting it out there. And, and, you know, like, I think a lot of people, even like the concept of boundaries is a difficult one for a lot Mm. of people to understand and then to implement as well. Mm -hmm. So can we talk a little bit about what what you would describe a boundary as and and how people can go about incorporating them in relationships and, and why should we? Yeah, and I suppose that also, that, that's often difficult because even when I work with clients, asking them, even with their family members, so sometimes I'm getting people to practice that stuff with friendships and, and, and yeah, within family members. And often people think if it's your family member that you can just, you know, it's okay, you sort of brush that stuff off. And then, of course, that continues on then into relationship, romantic relationship stuff. So I talk about do you know what they are? Are they sort of things that you have a hard no where you don't want something to be crossed? And again, this is going to be very subjective. Um, so obviously we, we'll talk about sexual boundaries, consent and things like that, but I, but also just the boundaries of, you know, you may be a person, as I was saying before, who really just needs some time out. Like it's nothing to do with anybody else. You just need some really big downtime for a while and, and working through that with someone. So someone who may not, they're much more happier. Perhaps they grew up in a house where there was just so many people, they're absolutely fine. And they're actually more comfortable around a lot of people um, about negotiating all of this stuff. And, and again, I think it just, it's all about, you know, that we need to be doing work on ourselves and asking us where we get that from and constant, the constant stuff of going, oh, why am I reacting like this? And, and yeah, and I think boundaries are actually really, um, sometimes hard to put in place and it's okay to say you struggle with them sometimes and that you're practicing right you're, you're, you're practicing we've jumped on the on the train that sometimes we, we we may forget you know like it's it's a practice and, and let's be honest women um and femme presenting people right they they've been taught all this stuff about smiling all the time and our boundaries are often completely crossed and so it's it's often hard because you're just used to that stuff happening 
yeah. yeah it's hard it's like oh you have to smile because a random stranger tells you to smile and it's like right no <laughs> we're finally no mm-hmm. pushing back against that a bit yeah I, th- I think I'd love to see that more brought into consent workshops I'm not sure what the situation is in Australia yeah. but you know consent workshops mm-hmm. are relatively new here they're not even a decade old yet like, yeah and at the moment mm-hmm. they're predominantly mm-hmm. just in third level institutions and slowly coming into second level uh, you know like so mm. 15 to 18 kind of old but I'd love it to be like here you start off at primary school you're five or six and you oh, teach each other right. how to hug or you know who you mm-hmm. can tickle and who you can't and things like that yes like I think just if we thought about like that is boundaries of like you're establishing who can touch your body and who can't like I yeah, just I would love absolutely. to see that. our consent workshops at that young level over in Australia <laughs> Look, we again, it's very ad hoc, the sexual health and relationships or education that we have here, but we're getting, um, I think you'll find pockets of it, right? But there are still some people who freak out when you talk about things that you were just mentioning. Like when I used to do, back before, I do mostly just face-to-face stuff and online stuff now, but before I used to work with parents and, and caregivers and when I talked about that, brought up to them about things like, you know, you can start, your sex education is not about just how to have sex, right? It's right back to body bodily autonomy and talk. I talked to them about how even when I had my daughter um, a very long time ago, I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 17. So I was still learning myself and this wasn't as big a conversation back then. But I remember she had a really big family and, and sometimes we would go somewhere and she was really shy and the aunties and the uncles are all like trying to give her a cuddle and stuff. And I would make her do it like in front of me. But also I thought it was respectful. And, you know, here I am years and years later, like she's she's nearly 29. But I would be running these sessions saying, look, actually, we need to be saying, oh, in our house, you know, sorry, Auntie Joe, if baby doesn't want to give you a um, hug today high five okay or something like that but just saying you know in our house we only hug if someone wants to so all of that stuff around and even like um when they're bathing and and changing nappies that once you start talking to say I'm just going to change your nappy now and you know having this conversation with some people get really like they're like that's ridiculous but we talk about or even tickling right you tickle your child they're giggling laughing and then they just go stop and then you say stop yeah you just said stop okay we're gonna stop I'll wait until you want to do that again you know like there's ways to do it in lots of places but I think it's very up and down and and people are still kind of a bit getting used to that language yeah and and it's a shame on one level because it's so simple in some respects but again you're trying to unpack years and years and intergenerational messages and intergenerational trauma and things like that so yeah totally yeah yeah yeah, and then like, and people make a mockery of it. I think there was someone who did that online. I can't. I'm just having a memory when you were saying that, but someone did something on one of those morning shows, which I don't really watch, but I'd heard about them, and I'm pretty sure they were mentioning that nappy changing sort of scenario oh, yeah. I mentioned. Just sort of basically what they were trying to say was something like, "You just start telling them, I'm, is it okay? We're going to change your nappy now. Start practicing that language." And she was like cut down you know people just thought that was the most ridiculous thing yeah because they're framing it as if like a a six-month-old baby can verbally say yes I would like you to change my nappy and that's obviously not what they were saying not the way they're saying they were just talking about getting in practice of asking and talking and saying this is what we're going to do now and things like that just practicing that touching and asking for consent for body touch 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so much easier to instill it at that age rather than a 16 year old mm. or something who's going to go, oh, right. why, why is everything suddenly changing? <laughs> you know, so uh-huh. yeah, that's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we go on to like, again, you know, if we're talking 16 or plus and everything else, like the, the red flags mm. around, I think, like sexual behavior, it can be really hard for some people to spot mm-hmm. again, like we've said, mixed messages about, you know, consent yeah. and all all the stuff, all the bad stuff. But you know I would generally view that as things like people who shame you for having previous sexual encounters or people who refuse to talk to you about contraception and things like this so Mm -hmm. do you have any other Mm -hmm. red flags around sexual behavior that people should keep an eye out for I mean yeah I suppose that stuff around you know the language I hear about you know if you love me you would do it things like that you do that for me that kind of stuff you know that sort of the coercive stuff I think that gets tricky with people of all ages because I tell you every single day I've got clients who are having sex and they don't want to have sex with their married partners or long-term partners so yeah I think that stuff around yeah um but yeah also uh like you mentioned that that not just slut shaming but also um shaming them for particular things they want to do I still see people who who get really freaked out if their partner's more of an initiator you know and they think there's something you know wrong with that so even shaming about noises the noises that people make so I've, I've seen people who have changed the way they are sexually squish themselves down because their partners were kind of almost um yeah judging them for, for being free sexually wow okay and that's hard Mm. because like even the noise thing it's hard to figure that out because we only see other noises and stuff and like usually in porn and it's like porn is quite exaggerated Mm -hmm. a lot of the time totally exactly yeah yeah so you have a lot of people (laughs) they're having sex but they're putting on a show yeah and that's it it's like that's like porn is a show like that's the whole point but I think it's like it's really hard to figure out oh should I be like loud like that should I be screaming Mm -hmm. should I be Mm -hmm. saying all the stuff they're saying and then so if you if you're having to navigate that and a partner who's like judging you then for making noises or what your orgasm face looks like or something like that you know that's that's kind of a hard one yeah that is big that's one gets in the way of people having orgasms like when I'm doing a lot of orgasm coaching in, in my sessions where some people aren't able to experience that often that's all the stuff that gets in the way they're so worried about their faces and the sounds and all of the things that they they think are going to look awful or someone's going to say something to them or perhaps they have had people make comments about it I read a story online before and it was someone who'd cover their face with a pillow um, when they came because they just mm-hmm. couldn't have their partner seeing it and I just thought yeah. oh, that's really sad yeah. but I think it's also really it is. common I think uh-huh. Yeah. I definitely have people struggle with all of that stuff like a lot. They just feel like they can't be themselves. Yeah. And that's hard because like sex is like anxiety provoking for many people anyway. And then when you throw right. in a toxic yeah. partner into the mix, that it's even harder to try and figure out what your authentic mm-hmm. sexuality actually is. So, you know, and then even to name that to yourself, I think our, our guts tell us, but sometimes we're either not able to listen just yet or we were trying to figure out what that weird bad feeling is kind of thing so yes uh, it's tricky so mm-hmm. and what, it is. what would your advice be for someone who's in that situation of like they're not quite able to name it just yet as, as a very toxic environment but they know something doesn't feel right but they're not sure mm-hmm. what's going on look I mean you know if, if there's someone they can 
talk to because sometimes people do have a friend and I always say it is sometimes helpful but some of our friends can also say things that maybe aren't so helpful but it is sometimes good just to run it by someone because you know I suppose we can go into that whole gaslighting thing which is I suppose much more newer terminology about something that's been around for a long time and people will very much question their reality right they're like wait what did this happen so sometimes it is helpful that they've got a trusted person to say this is or show them a text and say does this is this, is this awful? What am I? Am I reading this wrong? Uh, you know that kind of thing. Getting sort of some someone else's opinion, but also about you know trusting your gut. And I think a lot of people don't. They push that stuff down, and particularly at the beginning, right? As I said, it's if you're 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 actually not able to notice all that stuff as well as you would perhaps later when some of that the hormones and everything had calmed down. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes saying it out loud is the hardest part. But maybe sure. once you've said that, it might trick something in your brain to go okay actually this this Mm -hmm. is where I'm going with that so yeah I think the contraception one is is a massive one I remember doing a workshop in porn literacy and and the people that came along said it was quite common in their circle of friends that the men they're very it seemed to be all hetero relationships and that the men that they're dating Mm -hmm. would not go for STI checks and they were yeah. kind of, you know, trying to pressurize the, the girls into not using condoms at the same time. And I think yep. both of those mm-hmm. aspects are ginormous red flags. If I had a giant red flag in front of me now, I'd be like mm-hmm. waving it like crazy. But yes. how do you deal with that of someone who is absolutely point blank refusing to get an STI check and still like, wants to have sex with you? Yeah, look, I mean, that's very, very common, right? Unfortunately, we hear this a lot. And I suppose I would be, you know, trying to encourage them. I can't tell people what to do, but I'd encourage you to say, well, then there's not going to be any sex if I'm not comfortable until you do, right? Let's go together. Let's have a session, go to the pre-STI clinic together. Or, um, But just talking about that, they're the boundaries, right? But they're hard to put in place, especially if you kind of like someone. So there's that sort of tricky thing of like, it's very, very common, right? In the pursuit of pleasure, when you're super horny, you could be the most, oh, I know I am, I know I need to get a condom and I know I need to do this, but, you know, you're so horny that things go out of the window when you're really, you know, just in the, in the moments of pleasure, you can make decisions you perhaps wouldn't make either. So it's that thing of trying to be aware and going, it's actually okay. And if someone really, you know, is just ignoring all of your stuff, I think that there is a red flag, right? If they're just completely ignoring you. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, the whole condom thing, there's all messages about how they don't, they don't make it feel good and all of that. That's why if we're doing sex ed, why don't we talk? I, you know, when I used to do sex ed with folks with penises, I'd be talking to them about, go, go have a wank with lube and a condom and practice and get really comfy with it, you know, um, and so that you don't have to worry about losing your erection and things like that and tips that other people would tell me about. They used to put, you know, lube on a, the tip of their penis and then put a condom on. So we'd talk about that and get really graphic around that. Um, but I think a lot of people miss that part. So there's that still that stigma around it. Yeah, for sure. And, and even the knowledge of like, condoms come in many different shapes thicknesses lengths sizes all that kind of stuff yes. and yes. so they do mm-hmm. a- absolutely fit I think with with the, the SCI check one I, I remember watching this video and I can't for the life of me remember the woman she's a black woman American I think um I must find her name and she no it's a bit older so STIs were maybe a bit more not not that they aren't serious but less manageable maybe perhaps back in the day and she's mm-hmm. saying if someone's mm-hmm. refusing to have an STI check what they're saying is I don't care if I give you something that kills you I literally yes. don't care about your life and when you when yeah. you hear that you're kind of like yes okay that actually that's yeah true makes sense 
yeah. it is that they're not. And that, that's what I mean. Totally, totally, just not thinking about how you feel about it at all. And yeah, your 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 health, safety, as well as emotional stuff about them. Just you know, thinking it's okay to just say no. No, I, I just think it's it's like I think it's a shocking thing because it shocks people into going, yeah, actually, this is this is it's abusive. But we don't name that as abuse in so many areas. No. And we don't you know, I think no. it's a new concept to some people about how sexual violence is a spectrum and involves sexual coercion yes. and access to mm-hmm. contraception being denied and things like this. But I don't think we, we name Absolutely. it like that so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think like. Yeah, we, we could do it like a massive media campaign, I think, on like what healthy relationships and stuff are like, what would you include in that? Yeah. Because I fe- it feels like this would be like a five year long campaign and we still wouldn't touch on everything. <laughs> There's so much. I think we're just we're just there is so much to cover. It's really, you know, like I said, we're talking about red flags and talking about green flags, then talking about what is coercion, you know, like unpacking that you know and this idea that you know like I said I see a lot of not just young people I see a lot of older people and they're struggling with this you know people who have vaginal pain all the time and they just still have penetrative sex every time the person asks and I just it's like because there's this idea that you know you the minute you you know commit to someone that that also means you commit to yes sex all the time and so that's still there, you know, I see that on a daily. That's really sad because it's like that's not a comfortable experience for that person experiencing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, it just infuriates me, but I won't I won't go on a rant about that too much. But I think I know <laughs> I feel the same. Yeah, there's a lot to rant <laughs> about when it when it comes yeah. to this kind of stuff. But um, oh, I forgot where mm-hmm. I was going there. I was going to say something about your point. Oh, um oh yeah is it like talking about you know like the physical pain is one thing but the emotional pain Mm -hmm. again gets swept Mm -hmm. under the carpet so much but I think one of the questions I get sent to me a fair bit is what happens with cheating can you move on can you forgive Mm -hmm. is the person going to cheat again Mm -hmm. and I think my answer to that is always like it depends because it depends on the relationship absolutely context like do you want to stay with them but what what would your mm-hmm. advice be, especially to a more younger person? I seem to get that question more from like, you know, maybe college students. Yeah. That situation. Look, I do think I don't buy into the once a cheater. What is it? Once a cheater, always, always a cheater. A cheater. I think that's not true at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I I think that a lot of people don't have really important conversations early on when they're dating. Like, are we monogamous? What does that actually mean to you? What's monogamy to you? What is it? Are we open? Are we not? You know, and I think. We don't have enough of those conversations, but absolutely people can cheat and then stay or something can happen and then they stay in a relationship, right? People do. I have people who have been together for a really long time and this happens and they get through it. I'm not to say that it's um, not difficult. You've got to, you know, your trust has been broken. But also I think sometimes for people they cheat because they feel like they've got no option. They don't know how to have a conversation and say, hey, something's up. I'm attracted to someone else or maybe I'm not sure monogamy is for me or whatever it is going on, they don't have those conversations. So that's what I talk about, about trying to be as honest because you can't stop people cheating. Like, <laughs> like unless you, you know, how are you going to do that, right? And all you can say is you hope that your relationship is healthy enough that a conversation can happen before that happens and perhaps either you break up or you make another decision, do you open, whatever. But, but yeah, it happens, you know, people of all ages, all genders do this. 
Um, but yeah, I think you can absolutely get through that. It doesn't mean someone's a bad person just because they made that decision. You know, we're human. Yeah, and humans are messy, as I always say. So we are. Yeah. That's right. And I think cheating means different mm-hmm. things to different people. Like we have categories like yes. emotional cheating. Like if you're flirting with someone, mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. count as cheating? And for some people, that's ridiculous. And for others, that's very, very serious. So it's having that conversation yes. about what it actually means to you. Like some people view watching porn as cheating. Oh, my goodness. I, I Every day and I get people asking me, can you please tell my husband to promise not to watch porn? And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You're setting yourself up for relationship lies. And also, how the hell did we get to this situation where just because you hook up with someone for life or choose to do some life with them, that you then get to say, you're not allowed to touch yourself or look at something um, when I'm not there. And, And also, I understand if you have values, you have absolutely your right to not watch porn. But how did you get to a point where you could tell someone they can't? I find that really interesting concept. I mean, again, it's probably part of the toxic monogamy culture, but that I often say, what's going on for you? What do you think about porn? Let's unpack that. Yeah, there's a lot of self-reflection work to be done there for sure. And even about things like masturbation, there's that's a yes, common view that like that's, that's only something you do mm-hmm. when you're single. Actually, like that's yep. a really healthy thing to do in relationships. Like, yeah. I don't know why we're still that on that one. thing of thinking you can know that you can say I've had people say that's it my partner's cheating I'm like how do you think you can tell your partner what to do with their body that's that's hard going yeah Yeah. and and in incidences like that in relationships where it's just like people have like fundamentally different understandings of of pleasure and boundaries and things like that like is it a case of like therapy is is the only option kind of there or because like we're still new enough in Ireland to therapy and we, we shouldn't be it's my mm-hmm. personal thing that like we should have therapy every week and it should be accessible to everybody mm. but until we're at that point yeah yeah some people are really scared about sex therapy and they're like oh it's a sign of a failure in relationships because we're meant to be perfect right yeah which again that's so not realistic but I, I can see that there's still people here who you know don't I know I feel like when I speak to folks in the US they're much more open to that about therapy but I feel like here sometimes in Australia it's not always the case but also I kind of say to people well why wouldn't you do that well I think it's actually wonderful I actually can congratulate my clients when they come in and they go look we're fine we just want to talk a bit about this and and I just think good on you working through this stuff and having conversations that might seem uncomfortable that will become comfortable and just part of your like language your relationship language so I I think it's just um yeah, trying to work through that. But I totally understand, acknowledge that every time I have a session. This must be so weird. So I just want to acknowledge that, that you're talking to me, a random stranger, about things that you probably haven't talked to anyone about. So I get it. It's strange. But also I think it's so wonderful that people do stuff like that. I think we normalize it. It's like, you know, I often use the analogy of, of driving a car. Like you don't just get in a car and go, right, I know how to drive this now. So it's the same with sex. Exactly. It's like you don't automatically how you know, know how to yeah. have sex. Uh-uh. But I think so mm-hmm. when we don't know how to drive, we go to a driving instructor. When we were struggling with sex, we yeah. should go to a sex therapist. And it should be as normalized as that of like, this is a mm-hmm. helping person mm-hmm. to help you with this particular Absolutely. Thing. Yeah, so explore that stuff. And that's that whole thing when I see young, particularly young people, people have had sex with maybe one person and then they're out there again after a breakup saying, you know, I should know what to do. There's often always 
you know, I think they often make fun of men, of cis men, and say, you know, you don't know where this is and that. I think that's not helpful at all either. And it's like, hang on a minute, no one's born knowing what to do. I mean, people, babies, of course, we know touch their bodies. We've even seen pictures of babies in the uterus rubbing their genitals, but we know that. But the the thoughts around why they're doing that aren't always the same as you get older, right? But I think it's why, how, of course, you need to have conversations. That's why I say, how you can't expect yourself to be fabulous at something that you've not done before. And to be honest, I think, what does that even mean? Because if you get a different lover, that's a different body and a different person with a whole set of different values and beliefs. And so then you're going to start again. I mean, what do you want? What do you like? What should we do? That kind of stuff. And that, that's why it's so anxiety provoking. It's never like one size fits all. And like, oh, I learned this cool trick. That's and right. it's like, that might have worked for your ex. And that is not going to work for the new yes. person. So yeah, it's Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. And I think that's that thing about chatting having conversations all the time and checking in. Yeah, absolutely. And then what what advice would you give then to someone who's is kind of, you know, starting to explore their sexuality and, and maybe in ways that they weren't expecting or whatever, and they're just going, there's a lot to unpack. You know, they're at that cusp of like, oh, I know I need to learn about communication or different bodies or sexuality, but I'm not sure where to go. Obviously, there's yourself, who is mm. an amazing resource on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, thank you. There's plenty of us. That's what I mean. I think social media is so great. You know, there's so many books and I'm, I'm a, you know, a bit of a, I suppose, I don't know if you want to, I love learning. So I'm constantly doing things like, you know, I said, I'll drag my partner. I said, oh, I heard about this workshop for couples. Do you want to come? You know, dragging them along but I think there are great spaces that people can sort of sex positive messages and um, I think there's people on there talking about you know how to deal with if you grew up in super you know I suppose they call it purity culture that kind of thing so there's spaces that you can do that to help you combat those um, negative thoughts and and I think yeah get some good information right that that's inclusive and talks about the fact that it's okay not to have sex as well absolutely okay yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah. And podcasts like this, right? There's plenty of these great stuff. I think that's important. Actually, the raise you raise that point of sex positivity doesn't mean you have to be swinging from the chandeliers and having sex yes. with hundreds of people and all this. So yep. you, you don't have to actually have sex or multiple partners no, or whatever. That's part of exactly that is part of sex positivity. Absolutely. Yeah. That you don't want if you don't want to have sex at all, ever. I like that. Absolutely yeah, I okay. think that's also reflective of the different sexualities that are out there, like asexual people, you know, which yep. is still mm-hmm. news to a lot of people that that's how some people yes. are. But, you know, and aromanticism mm-hmm. and everything that, that we're kind of all mm-hmm. learning. All about. the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I like and that. I think it makes sense, right? Us human beings are so diverse in what we look like. Um, and I think why, of course, wouldn't we then also have a spectrum of the way we experience sexual arousal or what we want or and that kind of stuff? And of course, there's going to be people who that's that they don't want to do that. And that's OK. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, we're the abnormal ones. Sometimes we talk about sex loads every day and other people yes. are like, it's not that important. And they're just like, what? <laughs> I don't even think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're the outliers. We're not the, <laughs> the statistically mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Funny. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, it's really nice that we do live in a world now where there's tons of sex books out there and it's not this secretive thing that has to has to be a secretive yes. thing, you know. So, yeah, that's a, mm. it's a nice way going forward. I think it'll be good. So um, absolutely. Fab. And where can people find you if they do want to get in touch with you and follow your work or maybe even book you for a session? I suppose that's a joy of Zoom now and the one separate yeah, line of COVID. Yeah, I've got overseas clients. <laughs> 
Yes, ah. I've, I've did it before, but I seem to be getting more since COVID. Yeah, no, you can just go to, well, uh, my Instagram is Australian Sexologist, but even in my um, bio there is just a link to my website, which is my name, Naomi Hutchings com.au and you can book it's literally you don't need a referral you can just hit the book page and they'll tell you and you just click down either online or face-to-face if you're here in brisbane um yeah and go ahead and you'll get sent a zoom link and then we can do a session fab fab and that's it's great i just love that because it's like you know you can do that in the privacy of your car or if you're out in a yeah. park or something like that it's just so yes, flexible i literally do that people are in their cars in their bed in the park i've seen people all over the world doing it wherever they can in their office all sorts fab oh this, yeah hopefully it stays post-covid i think because i, I just think yeah, the more the merrier I, think, I hope so yeah and especially yeah, when people like yourself yeah. you know that like Access. access to proper professionals who are actually qualified in mm-hmm. this area it's really important so <laughs> yeah be a good one yeah. so brilliant listen Naomi it's been fantastic chatting away to you you know I, I just think this Thank is just so important me. to have this it's just you know we love talking on the podcast about the practicalities and orgasms and fingering and things like mm-hmm. that but I think the emotional yeah, yeah. and mental health side of things yeah absolutely has to be mm-hmm. part of that conversation so of um, course that's yeah. right Brilliant. Thank you so much. And Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank <laughs> you. And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in as well today. Hopefully go forth and, and put Naomi's tips into practice as well. If you, again, if you want to DM, it's um, Glow West Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Like we said, the top of the hour, if you want to support us, it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. If you have any suggestions for the show or anything, you can send them in as a DM. That's all, all good to hear. And I will chat to you next week.